Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. The title of our study is Fake Freedom Today. Fake Freedom. And of course, as we uh, are living in the world, we know what's going on. The whole world is watching what's happening with the election currently in the U.S. and still a dispute in some people's minds claiming all fraud is happening and we need to dispute it while in other people's minds it's all settled and uh, final and anybody who doesn't agree with that is really uh, deluded and uh, it's it's in turmoil the whole world is watching and and this message is not to, is not really to talk about that as much the details of it is both sides to the question but it is in a measure inspired by these events and we want to understand how the world runs biblically accurately and why today there is so much fake freedom that exists a lot of uh, people living in the world today you know think that we live in a free world at least in some of the countries that claim to be uh, advanced and free the free world and even the the president of the us is often referred to as the the leader of the free world there's so much talk about freedom human rights so on and so forth in the world today but i put it to you that a lot of this so-called freedom is actually fake freedom it's fake freedom because someone is on a mission to actually deceive the world and make them think that they are free and they end up with this fake freedom and miss out on the true and genuine and real freedom that exists. And I think the turmoil that's happening uh, around us today in the world with regards to this election, it's not the only thing that's causing turmoil, but it's causing a fair amount of turmoil currently, that's the issue, is all about this particular point as well. Uh, people feel very, very strongly about what's going on. You know, this issue of, of the whole election and loyalties and this party and that party and the president or the, uh, the so-called pre president-elect and which one has divided uh, families, homes, friends, loved ones. Members in the same household are divided. You know, I'm reading reports and, 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 and hearing about things that people feel so strongly about this. And yet the biblical perspective is what we are to use to judge the world in we live in, that we live in. We can, we can easily get caught up in some of these things and take sides and get excited and, and, and angry and disappointed or elated, however our, wherever our loyalty might be, because this is what we're watching, this is what we're seeing. But we need to see things from the biblical perspective, because if you understand the Bible, if you believe the Bible that you hold in your hand, you profess to believe as a Christian, then you know that there is someone actually behind the scenes who is pulling the strings. We're told that very clearly. Someone behind the scenes is actually pulling the strings, controlling things. This is the world we live in from a biblical perspective, and we have to understand it, and we have to relate to it from that particular perspective. Let's look at a few verses uh, in, in light of that, and we'll see the contrast as well to that. Uh, our first verse is in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 3 and 4. A familiar verse, but quite alarming in what it means. Here is what Paul says. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Here Paul is talking about uh, this battle, this contest, about the gospel being shared and the gospel being hindered. And he's saying one of the hindrances to the gospel is this God of this world, this someone he's referring to. This is Satan, of course, without any doubt, without any question. He's referred to here by Paul as the God of this world, and he blinds the minds of those who don't believe so that they will not receive the light of the gospel. And what ends up happening is he sells them fake freedom. You know, if the gospel, which is what it does, the gospel offers true, genuine freedom, how can Satan blind people from receiving true, genuine freedom? It's to sell them fake freedom. So the devil is heavy, uh, heavily involved and in working in the world. Now, when it talks about the God of this world, this description is very interesting. When Jesus was here on earth, he referred to, to Satan as the prince of this world and that the prince of this world is coming. He finds nothing in me. Uh, the hour is coming when the prince of the world is going to be judged. He's going to be cast out. Jesus referred to the devil as the prince of this world. He recognized Satan had some certain measure of claim and even jurisdiction in this world. And Jesus came to challenge him. But here is Paul writing well after the gospel was written well after Jesus took the position of Satan in heaven as a representative of man. And he's writing and he still recognizes that the devil is still the God of this world in which Paul lived. Now, this is interesting because the same is for us today. Jesus has won the battle. He has won the right to represent men in heaven. He's coming soon where the kingdoms of this world are going to be the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. 
that's happening. But in the meantime, while we are waiting, we see a very clear biblical perspective and revelation here that the devil is the God of this world. Now, this is repeated time and again. Here's another verse uh, that actually tells us this. And this is the biblical perspective about the world we live in. We have to understand that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So this gives, it gets a little bit more you know, closer to home. The spirit, this, uh, the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience is the God of this world. This is Satan. This is the devil. So not only is he the God of this world in this general sense, but also in a specific sense, he works in the children of disobedience. He blinds the minds of men and he works among people, among the children of disobedience. And his work is a concerted, uh, synchronized effort to accomplish a particular goal and a particular objective. We, we cannot miss that. This is the world in which we find ourselves as far as the Bible is concerned. And to a large degree, the reality of this world is not perceived by our senses and by our feelings, uh, you know, physically and the senses. It is revealed uh, through the scriptures to exist as, as real as the world that we uh, experience with our senses, even though we might not experience it with our senses. I don't know people say, oh, we, I haven't seen the devil. I don't see that. How do I know that that's true? The Bible tells us this. And the Bible is giving us an accurate portrayal, an accurate picture of the world in which we live. And in order for you to navigate this world successfully, you have to understand the picture that the Bible pr uh, presents. If you don't, you will get caught up with all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of issues, all kinds of dilemmas and controversies, such as the one that is basically uh, capturing the attention of the world today. You know, uh, what's happening in the U.S. with the election, the entire world is watching. It's not just America. Of course, the, the U.S. and the Americans are first in line to be affected and impacted by the result. But the whole world is going to be affected and impacted. And the whole world is watching, wondering what's going, to get, what's going to happen. Well, this is how Christians are to watch. This is how believers are to watch and understand that there is something happening behind the scenes. The God of this world is operating. He's a spirit that is working in the children of disobedience. Satan has much to do with the events and the occurrences that happen in this world. This is, this is a very important uh, perspective to keep in mind that the Bible reveals to us. This is not the only one. Here's another passage as well, saying the same thing in different words. Uh, this time it's from John, Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. He says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. What, a, what an interesting description. Uh, all encompassing. We are of God, and the only other option, there's only two sides. We are, as the children of God, we are of God. And the rest of the world, the whole world, lieth in wickedness. It's interesting. If you look it up, actually, uh, in the Greek, and if you look at some other translations, it actually says what it means when the whole world lieth in wickedness is the world is under the control of the wicked one. The world is under the sway and control of the evil one. That's what it means. So put all these things together, and you see this, this uh, alarming picture develop. But in this picture you start to understand the reality of the world we live in. In other words, things are not always as they seem or as they appear to be because Satan is an expert in deception. Satan is an expert from the very beginning at presenting things not necessarily as they, as they really are, presenting a false front. And part of what he presents falsely to people is this fake freedom or this false freedom, which is the subject of what we want to talk about today because it relates to freedom. You know, people, uh, people are uh, believing that, you know, we want to have a, a free and a fair election because we live in the free world, in the civilized world, in the democracy and belief in the democracy. And that's going to be destroyed if you question it and all this big debate that's happening. It, these are the issues at play. The Bible reveals to us that the devil actually is behind the scenes operating, working. So the question then has to be asked, well, how did the devil become the God of this world? How did he end up being the spirit that works in the children of disobedience? How did he end up being in control of the whole world? The whole world lies in wickedness or under the control of Satan. This is a very significant thing. And how much does God have to do with all of this? This is what we want to explore. We'll look at how it first started in the very beginning. But uh, I'm thinking of a song and a hymn that we often sing. And uh, it comes to mind in light of this because uh, looking at these verses only, the picture seems almost a little bleak. And the song and the hymn I'm thinking of is uh, the one that uh, starts with, this is my father's world. I think you know, this is my father's world. You familiar with that hymn? And we sing that along, beautiful hymn, I love it. But uh, think about it in light of the verses we're, we're finding. 
I want to offer the theological uh, parenthesis here to explain. This was our father's world when he created it, fully reflecting him in Eden before the fall of man. But since that time, this world has been hijacked by Satan, who became the god of this world. And to a large degree now, this world, even though it still belongs to God, does not accurately reflect and portray and reveal the god who made it. Actually, the god of this world has more to do with it. And now the world lies in wickedness. Now, of course, this is going to be uh, changed soon. Uh, Jesus came and won the battle and reclaimed this world as his. He now occupies the position in heaven to represent man. And soon the world, this world and all that is in it will be renewed and become the Father's world again to truly and accurately reflect and reveal the true owner of this world. But in the meantime, this is why we're saying something has happened. And how that started is in reference to, I refer to it at the very beginning there in Eden, how Satan became the God of this world. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave man dominion. He gave dominion and rule over this world. Adam was free to rule under God. And he had, to, he had true, genuine freedom. We're going to explore that in a little bit as well, because this is the issue today. A lot of people talking about freedom and, and rights and, and doing things, you know, uh, uh, determining our uh, destiny by the choices we make. I want to put it to you. According to the scriptures, only God's government gives people true freedom and choice. And this is what God gave to Adam. He didn't just give Adam dominion. He didn't just give him rule. He actually gave Adam the freedom and the, where Adam could actually choose to leave God's government. He put a tree in the garden. It's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I said to Adam, Adam, don't eat of it. The day you eat of it, you die. But you're free to make a choice, to make a choice to leave my government, my kingdom of life and beauty and every good thing. You, you are free to choose to walk out of that and choose death. I don't want you to do that. I don't want that for you, but I've made you free. This is what God's government is like. He gave man free choice. And when, when Eve went to the tree or Adam went to, you know, uh, and ate from the, from the fruit when his wife gave him, uh, God didn't uh, send an angel say, Adam, what are you doing? Stop that right now. Don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. No, there is true freedom in God's government, even though Adam made the wrong choice. So Adam was not just in a pretty prison. You know, the Garden of Eden was not a, a gilded prison or everything beautiful, but, but he was jailed. He actually had the freedom to walk out. And sadly, he did through the deception of Satan, as far as Eve was concerned. But Adam made the choice. And this demonstrates something for us about God's government. And when he made that choice, something happened in this world because the rule and the dominion that God had given to Adam uh, as the ruler of this world now passed on to his captor, the one who usurped his position. And that is Satan, the one who deceived mankind. Peter tells us about this, and this is where we see one of the first and very important contrasts between the government of God and the government of Satan. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. So Adam was overcome by Satan, and he was brought in bondage to Satan. Now Satan's government, in contrast to God's government, is a government of slavery. There is no freedom. The only freedom that people might think they have in Satan's government is fake freedom. What that means is this. You are not free to leave. Satan's government, the principle of Satan's government is this. You come on my side, you die with me. You end up where I am. No leaving. This is a one-way street, a dead end, literally. A dead-end street. You turn here, and there is no turning out. There is death at the end. You join my government, you die with me. That's slavery. Satan does not, Satan knows very well. And you see some of the governments that this world actually uh, set up. You see it very clearly after the World War, where, you know, with communism in Germany. And they built a wall, literally, to keep the, the citizens in that system, and they had no freedom and choice to leave. If you recall, and so many tragic stories of people attempting to leave and getting caught and so on and so forth. Uh, this is a, a very good picture of the government of Satan. He does not offer freedom. Now, not only that, the, it says they promised them liberty. The verse told us that they promised them liberty. So there is a promise of liberty, of, of a more advanced standing, a promise of liberty, but it's actually slavery and bondage. This is why it's called fake liberty. It's fake freedom. It's not true, uh, true genuine freedom. There's no choice in Satan's government to leave. This is why God actually had to intervene and allow mankind and give to mankind a second chance and give them the option to opt out of Satan's, sorry, of Satan's government if they desire. 
Now, this is the biblical picture of the, of the contending uh, kingdoms warring in this world. The government of Satan, the government of God. And we need to understand that Satan has much to do with what's happening in the world today. He's the God of this world. He's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. He's the one that actually, under whom the whole world lies in wickedness, under his control. And this influence and work has much to do with what happens in the nations and governments of this world. We have to understand that. This is the, the picture the Bible uh, gives us. So uh, Satan wants us to have the illusion that we still live in a free world when we're in his kingdom. But it's not really free at all. There is a promise of liberty, but it is actually bondage. He wants us to think that we live in a pretty world where we have rights, where we have uh, the ability to actually choose, uh, say, uh, our, our leaders and, and have election, free election. It's free. The world is great. The world is doing good. These are the selling points for Satan's prison. It's a gilded prison, and it's, it is truly a prison. It's bondage. It is not liberty whatsoever. In order to accomplish this, Satan uses... Uh, you know, a, fa a facade, a mask. He, he presents things not as they truly are. We see that all the way in the Garden of Eden. Satan did not appear as who he really was. He used a serpent. He, he appeared as something else, and he tricked Eve that way. The Bible actually tells us that he appears as an angel of light. Here it is. Why, why would Satan do that? Because there is deception. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan, the angel of darkness, the fallen angel of darkness, he transforms himself and how he appears is as an angel of light. In the Old Testament, it also talks about uh, God forbidding his people from interacting with familiar spirits. You know what familiar spirits are? They are demons, fallen angels who appear as the familiar person that died familiar to the family member. This is what a familiar spirit is, where Satan, one of his angels or Satan, appear as someone that you are familiar with who, who died, who passed away, and you want to commune with them. So Satan, is one of his, his modes of operation is to operate and appear and present things not as they truly are, but with a deception, a serpent, an angel of light, a familiar spirit, and on and on and on. Why does Satan do that? Because he's trying to sell a lie. He's, he's offering... Uh, not liberty. He's offering slavery. And he can't tell people to come and be a slave. So he, he tricks them, an angel of light. This is what he did to Adam and Eve. He appears as a benefactor of the race. This is how he actually controls the world. And so the world we live in, brothers and sisters, appears to be a good world, appears to be a nice free world. Some of our countries where, where there are certain things and, and rights and liberties, it appears that way. Let me tell you something. That is not the reality according to the scripture. This is simply Satan appearing as an angel of light. Do you honestly think, do you honestly think, I want you to think about it with a Bible in your hand that you believe, do you honestly think that there are free and fair elections in this world? Can you honestly think that? On, especially on the high level of the governments and countries that actually matter in this world, the ones that are heavy, the ones that are influential, the ones that are leading the world. Do you honestly think that such a task of selecting the leaders of that world is really left to the whims of people freely? This is Satan masquerading as an angel of light, selling his lie of this gilded, of this gilded beautiful world prison where there isn't really genuine freedom. Uh, the God of this world. Do you honestly think that the God of this world is going to trust the operations of this world to the free choice of people? If they really think they have free choice, that's the other thing too. Now, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Uh, this is the encounter of Jesus with the devil. Let me show you what I'm talking about so we can have a better understanding and be reminded of what the scripture actually tells us when it comes to the world we live in so that we can accurately see how things are operating when we watch the news, when we read reports, when we see there is trauma, there is turmoil, there is a, you know, a conflict, there is two sides to an issue and figuring out, well, where do I, where do I belong? Where do I stand? Here, here are the Bible glasses to help us understand how this world runs. Here is this encounter of Jesus with the, uh, with the devil in the wilderness. 40 days, you remember? Jesus was there. Here is what happened. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. And the devil, taking him up, that's Jesus, taking Jesus up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. This, this verse is so significant, this passage. There is so much in it. 
first off, I want to I start with the, with, the, with the claim that Satan made here. I want to establish this because we already covered it. When the devil says here, was, was he speaking a lie? First of all, this claim that Satan made, was he speaking a lie? Did he make this up? Was he totally uh, deceiving Jesus? He was making a claim that he was not able to, uh, to fulfill when he says, all these things I can give because it is delivered unto me and I can give it to whoever I want. You see, Jesus did not challenge us and say, Satan, hold on a minute. He didn't start singing the song, this is my father's world. No, he, he recognized that Satan had a certain claim. You see, when the devil says here, all these things, were delivered unto me. You know what he's referring to? He's referring to what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam, by his uh, believing Satan and joining Satan's kingdom, Adam delivered into Satan's hand this world that God had put under him or that God gave him to have dominion over. So when the devil says, it's all delivered unto me, he's referring to Adam and what Adam did. What he means is he's reminding Jesus that he has a legitimate place because Adam chose to join his kingdom and therefore he is the rightful God of this world. Jesus recognized this in his reference to Satan as the prince of this world. So in, in that context, he's telling Jesus, listen, if you want glory, you want power, I can give you all of these things. All you have to do is worship me, acknowledge me, recognize me and worship me. This is what he was saying. So the claim of Satan was not contested by Jesus. No, you're making a false claim. That's, that's inaccurate. That's, that's wrong. So now that we've established that, Adam did that and uh, gave Satan this ability and this power. Now, I want, to mention some, I want to mention something here as well, not to be missed, because I, there seems to be a conflict here. God is still God. God is still in charge. When God made Adam the, the, to have dominion over this world and to be the ruler of this world, that was not to be an independent rule. It was under God. God was still the, the, the God of the universe. He's, he's the ultimate authority in the universe. Everything is of him. Everything belongs to him. But he made Adam kind of like a manager. So when Lucifer, Satan, usurped that position and stole it from Adam through deception, through Eve, and, and stole the dominion of this world, he operates in the same sphere. It's still under God. God is still God. God is still in control. God is still in charge. It's not independent of God, but there is a certain measure of jurisdiction that Satan can operate in a certain way. The Bible refers to him as the God of this world. He can give, he can take, he can give power, he can give glory. And this is what we want to examine here. So just keep that in mind. The, the rule is not independent. And a good story to remind us of that is the story of Job. I'll refer to that a little later. But in the story of Job, uh, you see that Satan actually had to get God's permission before he could do certain things in the world that he was the God of. He claimed the world as his own. He said to God, you know, I, I've come from earth. I'm from going up and down in the world. This is, this is my domain. Remember, I took it from Adam. He, he chose my government. That's mine. But God was still God and in control. So this, this is an important point to keep in mind. This is not an absolute total, uh, you know, uh, dominion that Satan has. Otherwise, this world would, would have been destroyed a long time ago. Okay? There is a certain measure here. So this uh, offer that he's giving to Jesus, when he says, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, as it says in, in verse 6. These two things. I want us to think about that for a minute. That's why I'm saying there's so much contained in this verse. Satan offered to give power. That's the power of all the kingdoms of the world. So this is the nations, the kingdoms of this world is the nations, the kings and kingdoms of this world. Satan is offer all of the, offering all this to Jesus. He says, I'll give you the power of them. That's power uh, in a worldly sense. That's the power of influence. That's the power of leadership. That's the power of authority. That's the power of control. That's the power that the leaders of nations have. I want you to put things together here, brothers and sisters. Satan says he's the one that dispenses this. He's the one that gives it. In his world, he's the one that gives it. And in order for you to get it, Jesus, you have to recognize and acknowledge me. You have to worship me. Now, Jesus, of course, refused. Praise God for that. Uh, but power is not the only thing. The other thing is glory. Glory of this world as well. The glory of the nations. What's the glory of the nations? That's fame. That's estimation. That's being held in high regard. That's celebrity status, to put it in modern terms. This is what Satan was offering to Jesus. You want to have influence in this world? You want to have power? You want to be estimated highly by the people of this world? No problem. Guess what? This is my world. And if you worship me, I will give you all of that. Now, this is where I want you to really think. This temptation of Jesus. Do you think that Satan only came to Jesus with this temptation? Do you think Satan ever presented this temptation to other people in the world? Making the same offer on the same conditions? The answer has to be yes. Jesus succeeded in overcoming this temptation. A lot of other people in the world don't succeed in overcoming this temptation. What do I mean by that? Satan comes and offers them power in this world, and he offers them glory in this world, if they will 
worship him. And you know what? Many, to many people, the answer actually is yes. I want you to think about that. This is the world we live in, brothers and sisters, because remember, Satan is the god of this world. Leaders of countries, nations who have power, who have glory, they get that from the one who is in charge of this world, who gives it because it has been given and delivered into his hand by Adam. I want to make this a bit clearer and, and bring it closer to home. There are many celebrities in this world today. When celebrities, I talk about not just movie stars or music stars, celebrities as in household names, people that are held in high esteem, that are known worldwide, household common names, whether they be celebrities of nations, leaders of nations, leaders of uh, you know, particular careers or particular uh, industries, particular stand, they stand out in certain ways. They are operating and running and functioning in this world. Let me tell, put it to you plainly. To get somewhere in this world, you have to pay homage to the God of this world. This is the temptation that Lucifer, Satan, offered to Jesus. And Jesus overcame that. He says, no, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm not going to do it your way and acknowledge you. Because really, you are not the rightful ruler of this world. God still is, even though you stole it from Adam. And I'm going to win it back fair and square. I don't want to be part of this kingdom. I'm going to reestablish God's kingdom on this world. This is why Jesus came as the second Adam or the last Adam. To restore again the dominion that Adam had lost, not to join parts with, not to join with Satan. This is very important. And Satan recognized this. It was a winner take all. So he says, "Listen, let's do a compromise. I'm going to offer you. Want influence in this world? You want to have something to do with this world? No problem. I'll offer you that here. Power and glory in this world. If you worship me, let's let's join together and rec you recognize me. I'll recognize you, and we'll have we'll have we'll have a, a deal together. This is what he was was on offer. And Jesus refused that because he came to contest that kingdom." He came to remove, to cast out Satan, the prince of this world. So this is why I was saying, you know, all these uh, celebrities in this world. You, I, I, now, some of you recognize, I hope you, you realize, you see uh, even admissions today. We talk about the music industry and even uh, Hollywood. There are celebrity musicians who actually openly admit that they sold their soul to Satan. You realize that? That, that means that they got their fame, their glory. And their power, power of influence and position and celebrity status is because they paid homage to the God of this world. This is acknowledged. This is repeated time and again by, by famous people. I'm not going to go here and repeat names and so on. You can find this out there. It exists. This is brothers and sisters in harmony with this verse. This is the God of this world operating. Now, guess what? That doesn't just apply in Hollywood. That doesn't just apply in the music industry. That applies to even leaders of nations of this world. To get there, some of them have to pay homage to the God of this world. So he says, okay, you can have power, you can have glory, you can lead this nation, as long as you recognize me, you worship me. This is the world we live in. Now, some people say, this is crazy, you're talking about some conspiracy, whatever. Listen, I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible reveals the, the true reality of the world we live in. And we don't get the reality of the world we live in from the news media, okay? Praise God for that. This, this, they are the, the propaganda machines and the... the you know, the, the PR people of, of Satan selling this lie of the alternate world that he wants people to think they live in. See, Satan is in Satan's interest for people not to truly detect him. So he presents his world as an angelic world of light and advancement and progression and freedom and equality of everyone and freedom to elect your leaders and everything is good and well. It's like heaven on earth or we're at least getting there. That's Satan's lie. This, this world is in wickedness. This is what the Bible picture is. Now, like I said, some of you might know this, but maybe it's, it's good to have a refresher. So as we, as we enter into the final you know, uh, controversy or the final stages of the controversy, deception is going to ramp up. The, 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 the level of deception is going to get dialed right up. And so many people are going to get caught up in it. So much so that the great majority will be of that persuasion and the minority will be seen as these crazy people like Noah in his days. Noah is the one that had a real perception of the world he lived in because God gave him instruction and he understood even though he didn't see and sense with his physical senses what was going to happen. He acted based on that. He was the crazy one. Guess what? He's the one that lived after the, uh, the flood. You know, the, 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 the dilemma came, the, the conflict came, the, the time of trouble for them came and he's the only one that survived it. He had an accurate, correct perception of the world he lived in. In like manner today, brothers and sisters, the, the, the level of, of deception has been ramped up significantly. So this is just a little insight as to how this world operates. Uh, so look at, uh, at the powerful people in this world, the leaders, 
the celebrities, the ones that influence uh, the world, the ones that have great power, the household names. Satan offers this. This is on offer. How many times? And, and we see glimpses of it. People who confess it. People actually acknowledge it. Some famous musicians, when they're getting older and they're kind of like a little bit jaded with it all and, and they're stuck in it. So, yeah, I sold my soul to the devil. That's, that's, I'm just keeping my end of the bargain uh, and he's keeping his end of the deal. That happens. So when you look at this world, you see that this is how the God of this world has set it up. This is the spirit of, this would be uh, the spirit working in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of, of, of uh, the air, working in the children of disobedience. That means those who do not choose God, those who do not take part in God's kingdom. The only other option they have to get somewhere in Satan's kingdom is if they allow the spirit of disobedience to work in them. This is the spirit of the, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, Jesus actually said it to the disciples, uh, to the Pharisees, pardon me, not the disciples. He said it to the Pharisees. He says, that which is highly esteemed in the sight of men is abomination in the sight of God or abomination before God. What does that mean? Things, do not, things are not necessarily as they appear to be. This is, this is the picture we get. Now, what, why am I sharing this? I'm not sharing this to, to, you know, to give you doom and gloom. God's word actually wants us to be enlightened, open our eyes so we can have a true perception of the world we live in, so we can act and choose accordingly. This is why I'm saying in Satan's government, in this kingdom, there isn't free choice. People do not have the choice to leave. They, they can think they have free choice. They are led to believe that they have free choice. They are led to believe that they can contribute in decision-making in running this world. Honestly, you really think that? You think the devil is going to share decision-making to run and operate this world with you and me, with people? You think he's going to trust human beings? Okay, well, you can help me decide to choose which leader do you want to choose. Let's run a free and open election. And, and we will not, there is not going to be any, uh, you know, cheating or fraud. There's not going to be things appear one way when reality is another way. You honestly think this is how Satan runs his world? That's, you, you have to really take a reality check. Satan's government is all a deception. It appears to be one thing when the reality is different. And you know what? People need to realize that. You know, people in the world today, people who are watching this, this dilemma, this, this, uh, uh, this big contest going on with the election, you know, a lot of people, who don't necessarily believe in the Bible, actually starting to wake up to the reality that, listen, things are not really as they appear to be. Something is amiss here. It seems like there's some, we're being sold some kind of a story. So people are realizing, people are, are ripe to recognize that the kingdom of this world, Satan, the kingdoms of this world, are actually crumbling, that the mask is coming off. The deception is so severe that a lot of people are starting to see past it, see through it. But in like manner, there are so many people who are still so very caught up in it. God's word is the one that gives us the accurate perception of what is really going on. So let us beware that we don't get caught up in that trap. Let us not get caught up in, in the things of this world. We belong to another kingdom. We're going to look at that. So that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now, someone will say, well, hold on a minute, because uh, God is in charge. God is the one that actually uh, sets up kings and removes kings. If you remember the, the story of Daniel, he actually said that to King Nebuchadnezzar. What are you talking about when you say the devil is the one who gives power and glory and the leaders of this world? It's God who does it, not Satan. This is such a bleak picture. Well, we're seeing that Satan offered that to Jesus, and it's a real thing. We're actually seeing that manifest in, in some of the admissions that people make today. Because you have to keep in mind, this is uh, under God. This is done under God, meaning God has not been deposed. In the fall of man, the fall of Adam has not deposed God from the throne of the universe. God is still in charge. He still operates. He still owns. This is why I said referring to the story of Job helps us understand this. Now, let's look at, a, at another verse, and then we'll see how uh, the story of Job also helps us understand this. And this is a very important verse for us in light of what is going on. Here it is, Romans 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. This is what uh, some people might uh, you know, object and say, well, see, actually the powers that be, that's the governments, the rulers, those who operate in the world and have power and influence are actually ordained of God. Paul here is talking about uh, the powers that be, right? The system of governing governments in an orderly, organized manner is a divinely ordained thing. Satan has taken that and he has abused it. And Paul wants the believers to recognize and understand that. Now, this is the thing. You have to remember something as well. When Paul is writing here to the Romans, the Jews were notoriously known as uh, unruly uh, you know, uh, subjects of Rome. They, they were rebellious. They, they, just, they, did not, they were not happy with, the, with being ruled by Rome. They would, they would rise up in rebellion time and again. They were unruly. They were, they were famous for it. And this sentiment and this mentality of rising against the governance of we, we, we are, we're not under Rome, these heathen pagans, no one rise up against them in, in all kinds of ways.
Paul is writing to a group of believers who many times actually come from a Jewish background. And he wants to deal with this sentiment. He says, listen, we need to be good citizens. Remember, God is in control. These powers that operate in this world are ordained of God. God set it up this way, even though the Satan is the God of this world. Because Paul is the same one who wrote in Corinthians that Satan is the God of this world. He recognized, he understood what the temptation of Jesus was about. So you have to understand, like we said earlier, Satan can only exercise his usurped authority as God permits. And a Christian needs to recognize that, that our place in the world is not to be rebels, but to be good citizens, even though we know how some of these leaders in the world might have gotten their position. Still be good citizens, obey. Be, be a good citizen as much as you can until the time when you have to obey God rather than men. Until the time when you have conflict. This is why I refer to the story of Job. Even Satan was not able to harm or touch Job, except after he asked God basically for permission. And God gave him the measure, the, the bounds of, well, you can go so far. You can go this far, but don't touch his life. Or you can take his, first of all, you can take his belongings, but you can't touch him. Then, okay, you can, you can go so far, but don't touch his life. And, and you see this in the story of, of Job. What that illustrates is this harmony between these two concepts, that God is in charge. God is the ultimate uh, one in charge. He has allowed certain things to carry out and operate in a way, in a, uh, recognizing that the rule that he gave to Adam now has been stolen by Satan, and God had set it up that way to begin with. So he's telling, to, he's telling man, listen, this is not our fight. Paul is saying, this is not our fight. Our fight is not with the governments of this world, because there is another kingdom. We operate and we fight on another level. This is the point that he is making here. So the devil has much to do with this world, but he has usurped that which God gave in a limited measure to Adam. Uh, Jesus is the one that actually said how we operate. I want to put this verse in this context, and this also helps us understand why Paul said what he said, because he's not contradicting uh, himself, and he's not contradicting the devil's temptation of Jesus. Uh, the powers that be are ordained of God. That doesn't necessarily mean that the people holding these powers are necessarily ordained of God or approved of God or chosen by God. Satan has much to do with this. He has actually taken what God has originally ordained to be a good thing and turned it into an evil thing to make it still appear as good, but it has the sting of death in it. And Paul says, listen, recognize this. So don't be rebels. Don't be needless rebels and, and running around disobeying and the orders of the, of the government, of the, of the emperor. What he's talking about here is talking at the time of Rome. You have to keep that in mind. This is the pagan Roman empire. The, the emperors and how they ascended the throne are stories of betrayal, blood, death, uh, you know, uh, hypocrisy, and all kinds of evil. And that evil even extended to the very system that governed the Jewish nation when it came to the spiritual leaders and the priesthood. Even the priesthood that was ordained of God became so corrupt that the priests that, you know, used uh, all kinds of subtlety, lies, deception. It was like a mafia. It was like a, a Jewish mafia, the priesthood. Bribery, bloodshed, uh, and all kinds of, they were evil, wicked people. Caiaphas, you don't remember Caiaphas? And Christ recognized that his post was ordained of God. And he respected that post, even though the man before him was unworthy completely. He, but he got there by Satan's tactics to occupy the position that God had originally ordained. So we have to keep this in mind on, on the bigger scale now. And Paul encountered that. Uh, let's, let's look at this verse, like I'm saying, maybe it will help. Here's how Jesus said uh, this to his disciples. Remember in the, I'm sorry, before Pilate, not to his disciples. This is before Pilate. Uh, John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. What is Jesus talking about here? There's another kingdom. His kingdom is different. It's not of this world. So what Jesus is simply saying is this, to put it in modern terms, activism is not the way to fight for God's kingdom today in the sense that the world understands. We can't be activists of one government or another, one party or another, one you know, particular nation or another. Because my kingdom, he says, is not of this world. We are activists, actually, of another kingdom, his kingdom. And, and how you can be an activist in that kingdom is to preach the truth of that kingdom. We are those activists that belong to that kingdom to, to, to uh, further and enhance its, its reach and its scope by inviting and calling people into it while time still lasts. So don't be caught up in the things of the world, the kingdoms of this world, brothers and sisters. 
Now, Jesus says, my, my servants would fight if that was the case. How, how would they fight? He's speaking in the language that Pilate would understand. In other words, he's comforting and assuring Pilate. He says, listen, I'm not here to rebel against Rome and establish a kingdom like you are fearing, like you are hearing my accusers saying, because my kingdom is of another kind. My servants would fight if I was like this. They would take you on in the, in the language and in the, in the context that you understand. They would take up swords or they would uh, foment rebellion and actually fight to establish my kingdom. But listen, my kingdom is not from here. That's why my servants don't fight. Brothers and sisters, these are marching orders for us. We have to recognize this. Let's not our, let not our loyalty be to the kingdoms of which we are citizens today, forgetting that we belong to another kingdom which is not of this world. And some of us, some of you are in America, I'm in Australia, and people are in different countries, different worlds. And what's happening affects us directly and immediately. Be a good citizen where you are. And remember, you belong to another kingdom. And I know it's, it's very difficult because, you know, see what's happening in the U.S. And if it goes this way, it, it can spell great evil. And if it goes the other way, it can also spell great evil. It's almost like a lose-lose situation. It's just going to be which scenario is, is it going to be. And people are concerned. I understand that. We belong to another kingdom. And we are not to fight in the weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not the carnal. They're not the, the weapons of this world. We are not to fight with sword, with activism, with taking sides, with, with all these things. We are activists for another kingdom, a better kingdom. This is what I'm saying. If you look at the example of Peter, when he was before the priests, he recognized the position of the priest, but he recognized that when it contradicted with God's requirements, he said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We saw that Jesus recognized the position of the high priest, even though the man before him was very evil. Uh, Caiaphas was the priest at the time. Later on, Paul had a very similar encounter, but there was a different uh, priest at the time. The high priest was Annas. And when Paul was brought before him and, uh, and the, the priest commanded that they should slap Paul, and then Paul, Paul retorted back, you know, God will slap you, you know, you're a whited sepulcher. What's, what's going on? Uh, and, and they said, are you reviling God's high priest? And Paul says, I didn't realize it was God's high priest. And so Paul recognized the position, the post, even though the man occupying it was unworthy. Satan had much to do with the deceptions that occurred in setting up the high priest to influence and control the Jewish nation to the point that when Jesus came on earth, he had so much control of the leaders of the system that God had set up. He had put his own people, their wicked, selfish people who had gotten there with all kinds of lies and deception to cause the death of the son of God. So this, this is the contest. This is the battle. So we have to understand how the world operates. This is the world we live in. This is what's happening among us, brothers and sisters, in the world. That, you know, and someone says, this is, this is such an extreme position. He's saying the, God, the, the leaders of this world, you know, have power and authority. Satan has something to do with that. I'm not saying this. God's word says this. The Bible that we're holding in our hands tells us this. We have to have an accurate perception of the world we live in. The only choice, brothers and sisters, the only valid choice that we have is to choose another leader. It's not to try and choose to, to correct this world by using the things of this world. This world is not going to mend. There's no reform for this world. It's going to end. The Bible says the kingdoms of this world, and there's going to come a time when the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Jesus, when in this uh, image of the uh, Daniel 2, the stone that comes, God's kingdom, the kingdom of Christ that comes, the stone cut out without hands, comes to the kingdoms of this world and doesn't reform them. It doesn't adjust them. It doesn't try and, and fix them up. It destroys them. So let's remember, while we are in these kingdoms here, we belong to that other kingdom. We, try, we can't try and fix the kingdoms of this world with the things of this world. We can only advance the kingdom of God. This is the real issue that should occupy us. Now, I'm not saying ignore everything that's happening. It's good to be aware and understand, but it's also good to understand where we can lend our influence. Just like in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve a tree representing a choice to leave if they so desired. And he warned them, please don't leave. There's only death outside. There's no life. Only life is here. I want you every, have every, if you leave, there is death. I want you to have every good thing. But I'm going to leave you free to choose. You know, when Adam, uh, uh, sorry, when Adam fell, yeah, and, and Satan took over, Satan didn't set up uh, another tree called the, the tree of God and says, listen, guys, this is my government now. But look, anytime you want to leave and go back to God, this is the tree you can eat from it. And I'm using it as a symbol. Satan did not have a door out. He's a closed door. God intervened in Satan's government. says, I will give man another chance. And God planted his tree, so to speak as the way out for men, if they desire to choose to leave Satan's government. And that, brothers and sisters, is the only valid choice that we have that is offered to us in this world where Satan is the God of this world. And, and where God planted his tree is actually the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus is our tree of life to exit out of Satan's gilded prison, where he offers us every fake freedom Every inducement to stay. You want power? You want glory? What do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. Just stay here. 
Don't leave. I'll, I, listen, I'll make you think that you're free. I'll make you think that you live in a free world, advanced society, equal opportunity for everyone, all this nice sounding political talk, which is total nonsense, to be honest. It's all deception. I'm speaking authority of God's word here. This is part of the deception of the last days. So much so that anyone who speaks out against it is labeled like in Noah's days, crazy. But God's word gives us the true picture. And Jesus planted his tree, the tree of life, the cross of Jesus in the middle of Satan's world as the way out. You look at those two parallels, it's amazing. The Garden of Eden had one tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil, where you could come out of Eden. In this world now, fallen under Satan's control, there's one tree where you can exit out of this world to the next kingdom. That's Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. Here is how Paul puts it. And uh, we'll, we'll just close with this. We're almost there. Uh, this is how Paul puts it in Colossians 1, 12 and 13. Absolutely beautiful verse. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. This is the one valid choice that we can make, is to choose another king, to choose this other kingdom, the kingdom of the son. So God uh, wants us to partake of this. He delivered us from the power of darkness. That's the power of the God of this world. That's the power of darkness. That's the, the, where the whole world lies in wickedness. He delivered us. And he has transported us. What, what translated us here means he's transported us. He's moved us. So we've shifted. We belong to another kingdom, a better kingdom, even while we are still in this world. And, and for the little time that we're still in this world and we behold what's happening in the kingdoms of this world, don't let that affect you. Don't let that cause you to forget that we belong to another kingdom. Let your loyalties latch on to that kingdom to which we truly belong, the kingdom of his dear son. Actually, I really like it because in the Greek and in the King James margin, it, uh, it actually uh, tells you that the kingdom of his dear son actually means the kingdom of the son of his love. Jesus Christ is the son of his love, the father's love. So it's not just the kingdom of his dear son, but he's the son of his love. That's the real love of a real father who had a real son, who gave us a real choice to give us real deliverance from the power of darkness to go to a real kingdom, the kingdom of his son, the son of his love. This is all real, the whole lot of it. You can't make a metaphor, you can't make a part of it as a metaphor, okay? The whole thing is real. This is the only true freedom that exists. This is the only liberty that exists. And here it is, our last verse, we're still here, we'll just close with this. John 8 and verse 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. This is the true freedom that Jesus offers brothers and sisters. If the son shall make you free, shall be free indeed. Why is the verse worded this way? You know why? Because there is a freedom that is offered, that is for sale, that is fake, fake freedom. This is why it says, if the son make you free, you will be truly free. What does it mean to be truly free? Because there are some people who think they are free, who are not really free. Fake freedom is how this world operates. Satan has, has learned from God and is using the tools of God, the, the things that God gives his people, and he presents them in a fake way, he uses them as far as how they're described. He says, well, you, have, you want freedom, God's government has freedom. I'll give you freedom, I'll give you this, I'll give you that, I'll give you the other thing. But in reality, they are not freedom. They are just bondage. They are in this gilded prison. Jesus is the one who truly gives freedom. And that freedom is freedom indeed. So do you want to vote? You know, you want to have a free election? You want to vote? You want your voice to be heard? Here is the vote that will really count. Vote for that kingdom. Vote to be in that kingdom. You elect to be among the children of God. Elect and choose that better kingdom. Choose the better freedom, the freedom that really counts, the freedom that really lasts forever. This, this, is the, this is in context of what we're talking about, what's happening here in the world. People are so sad. I know people are disheartened, discouraged, disappointed, angry. This is like their vote is, is, is not counting or, or, or there might be fraud, there might be this, there might be that. Don't get too caught up in this. All of this will pass. All of this is temporary. The kingdoms of this world are gonna pass. They're going to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. That kingdom is not going to pass. Why don't you vote to be in that one and keep your eyes on that one? And anytime a turmoil starts happening in these kingdoms of this world, don't forget we still belong to that other one. Choose to leave the God of this world. This is, this is the choice, the valid, true choice that God gives us. Praise God. We can actually choose to leave the God of this world. Jesus is the tree of life for us, like, like I said. So understand how this world runs. And understand how to run from it. Jesus is the way out. Just like Jesus, uh, Satan offered Jesus power and glory and worldly things, all these worldly things, the same offer is given to us only better by Jesus. Jesus doesn't offer us worldly power. He offers us divine power.
He doesn't offer us worldly glory. He offers us the glory that he received from the Father. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. It's believing on him. It's receiving him. We are transported into his very real kingdom because he's the very real son of the very real love of the very real father. This is the gospel. And what's happening in the world today, brothers and sisters, only confirms to us the reality of the existence of this better world. Let our faith be informed by God's word. It's, it's faith to perceive and understand that things are not as they appear. Everything is not as it appears. So this is what I want to leave with you. Let us uh, understand not just the reality of the world we live in, but the reality of the kingdom that we belong to in Christ. Let us be activists, indeed, in the biblical sense of that kingdom. How do we do that? By sharing Jesus with others. You know, it's good you accepted Jesus, you made that decision, that's great. Now be an activist, be a good, faithful ambassador of that kingdom and share Jesus with others. Others who are disheartened, disappointed, who are really disappointed with how this world is really turning out. They thought it was one thing when in reality it's another. The Bible shows us that reality. Let's be good, faithful soldiers of Jesus Christ. That's my appeal. That's my challenge. That's my invitation in these closing scenes of earth's history. While time still lasts, let's do what we can. Join me as we close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are God, that you are in charge, that you are truly good, that you truly love us, that you truly transported us to the kingdom of your son, the son of your love. We thank you for the reality that exists. Even though we can't perceive it necessarily with our physical senses, but we know that God's word tells us the truth and we can experience it, each and every one, in the testimonies that we can testify and give. I just pray for the things that are happening in this world. I pray, Lord, that we'll be faithful ambassadors of your kingdom, that we will fight not with carnal weapons, but the weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual, mighty through God. Let us be faithful warriors of prayer, of intercession, of sharing and preaching Jesus with others, that we might help others too come to this kingdom of light and glory which is soon coming and taking over this whole world. But we can experience it now. As Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within. I just pray that you will refresh each and every one of us and remind us of these realities, especially at this time when there is so much turmoil in the kingdoms of this world. And we pray especially, Lord, for the situation in the U.S., uh, the leading nation in this world, the whole world, world's eyes are upon it with what's happening there. I pray that you will intervene and overrule for good according to your will that the God of this world might be disappointed and upset in his plans. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through his son, Jesus.